What's up? It's your boy Bat32 here, keeping it uh, greasy as usual. Uh, got a great episode for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. <clears throat> Shit, Jay, he's been keeping it extra greasy. I don't think he showered since the last episode. He's so. <laughs> keeping definitely, it real. Definitely, definitely. St- sticking with the format. But yeah, yeah, excellent show, I think, this time. Like, we got news, we got fan questions, we got it all, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got a real greasy, sweaty Joe Spinell. Yeah. <laughs> <Can't laughs> Definitely not. Sweating all the time. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. He's leaving. You see it on the camera and stuff when he turns his head. Like sweat streaks and stuff. It's on the like, seats and stuff he's sitting on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All over his collar. But yeah, I guess off topic. But, uh, yeah, so what you been up to lately, man, since the last show? Just been watching movies, um, really been getting into, of course, Sleepaway Camp, as we discussed earlier, and uh, we got a little news bit on Sleepaway Camp, uh, apparently part four, mm-hmm. thought they released this already, <laughs> or the lost yeah. footage at least. Yeah, they're fucking with us, like, mm-hmm. this is part four of the Survivors, I guess, but uh, this is some footage that was shot in 1992 and never completed, so... I guess they decided they're going to go back, maybe with uh, with some other films that have been lost. I guess they've been finishing them and putting them out lately, so maybe this give them motivation to finally get this off the shelf. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've never seen the footage, and you said you don't have the DVD set with, with the lost footage either, correct? No, I don't, that's like the Red Cross Sleepaway Camp box set. No, I don't. So I've never seen it. Yeah, me Inter- neither. Very interested in it, though. Yeah, the cover, the poster looked fucking kick ass man but like it sounds like apparently they've already like went back and at least that's what i gathered from the article that they've gone back and they've already shot a lot of stuff and they're just kind of putting everything together to get the dvd out i'm guessing yeah like from what i understand like due to lack of funding in 92 they shut down the production and uh yeah like you said in 2002 it was in that box set but now they've uh went back reshot a few things and they're gonna bring in parts, I guess, from the other three Sleepaway Camp f- films in the franchise and kind of use this footage they have already as a wraparound, mm-hmm. like kind of kind of a wraparound story with flashbacks, I'd imagine, being uh, the other footage being used and stuff. And 
Yeah, I guess instead of uh, focusing on Angela this time, though, it's going to be focusing on, like, I guess, one of the victims that got away or something, from what I understand. Yeah. Like some bitch named Allison or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember her character. I guess I have to go back and look look for her character again, probably maybe in part two or something like that, I'm guessing, huh? Or maybe from the first one? Mm, you know, I, I'm i lost on it, too. Yeah. I have to look into this, but... I don't know, I think this is cool, though. Like, yeah, it's about time. I've heard about this, and, like, it's kind of like an urban legend shit that you hear about, but it never uh, never actually surfaces to be able to be seen, so. Yeah, like, uh, well, you know, to me, it, it seemed like they had planned to try to get this out some at some point because everybody had referred to Return to Sleepaway Camp as Part 5, so <clears throat> mm-hmm. it, it almost makes sense that this would have to come out, um, you know, in some form or another, and it has, but it, it seems like it was a limited release, and uh, it's out of print now, and I mean, what's that, just a handful of footage? That's not a film, you can't count that as a film, you know, so it, it really does only make sense here for them to do this, and um, I look forward to it, uh, I'm not going to put... 20 bucks down for it but you know 10 bucks comes around 10 dollar deal comes around you know and and i'll put my money down definitely yeah i'm a chump i'll probably throw 20 down if that's what it (laughs) takes to get it (laughs) but yeah like i guess major problem like when in the first time like they they just never shot any death scenes i guess from what i understand so they've went back like to finish the film i know a lot of people are probably going to bitch about this and stuff but they used uh what they refer to as low-level CGI. So you just imagine what low-level CGI is to actually film the death scenes that were left out of the movie in the first place. Because they had just never gotten to the stage. I guess they would probably gotten all their... Uh, I don't know, you're a filmmaker. What's all the shit leading up to the death scenes and stuff? <laughs> what's, well, it, what's that shit called? What do you mean? Your, your story, I guess, and stuff. Oh, well, yeah. And they just never filmed the actual death scenes, though, because I guess probably not enough budget to do the special effects at the time, when back then it was practical effects. So. Well, you know, when I shot my film, I, I basically waited till um, the end and shot <clears throat> everything in insert. So that's probably what they were trying to do. They were like, look, we're going to move through this as fast as we can and get, you know, principal photography out of the way. And yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Principal photography, photography. Yeah. Yes. Technical jargon, yeah. Technical jargon, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't have started shooting a movie until, you know, a majority of the money was there, but, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. double, it, was it Double Helix that put these movies out? Because I think they put out the film we're going to be talking about on, in Obscure, The Undertaker. And. No. I think they did too, yeah. Yeah, and that would explain a lot because, I mean, how long has that movie just been sitting around and we're going to get into it, but that movie looks like the same situation as Sleepaway Camp 4 where they last minute threw a bunch of shit together to get a film out. You know, that's what made me think of uh, when I read this with The Undertaker just coming out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're probably just doing all the same things they did with The Undertaker just to get this film out of the vault and into the shelves to make some bread, I guess. Yeah, know? and it's, it's like the same company. If it's if Double I have sworn Double Helix put out the Sleepaway Camp films, it's basically mm-hmm. the same company doing this. So they're probably going in their vault, looking at all these unfinished, you know, films, you know, and going, how can we make you know, our money back off this. Yeah. 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 How can we bend over all the dedicated fans and throw this shit out? <laughs> get, get their 20 bucks or at least J dogs, 20 bucks. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the way they look at it probably is, you know, fans want it and we want their money. So, you know, it's a give and take relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. <sighs> no, I'm definitely excited for it. I Who think knows? It, it might suck, but whatever. Well, if, Just, if it sucks, I think, you know, we might not have a chance of a possible part six because I know there were there were rumors of, of something like that, too, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm all for keeping the series going, yeah. I like part, like you said, I guess part five, you'd call it. I, I enjoyed that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good news, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, something else in the news is uh, apparently they're um, in production on uh, Laid to Rest 2. I think it's called Chrome Skull. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we had uh, actually had the scoop on this. Like back months ago on the Furrock show, you remember when we had the interview with Nick Nick Principe? Oh yeah, Crumskull. oh he yeah. Was talk, he was talking about uh, the movies he was filming at the time, Madison County, and mm-hmm. they were just getting into like getting ready to start production on uh, Chrome Skull too. So yeah. yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time. It's good to see they got some pictures from the shoot and stuff though, mm-hmm. and they're going through with principal photography. Yes, there we go. Used it in context this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this, man. Like, uh, for me, like the first one, like I think a lot of fans were disappointed because they were looking for some like be all end all slasher film to come out, and you know, now and it seems like they were disappointed because it just wasn't. They had their high expectations or whatever, and it seems like I don't know, man, like straight to video and stuff i personally liked it i wasn't looking for some you know something great or anything i was it's a slasher film you know that's what i expect exactly i was i was looking for an original killer and original kills and i think i got that in spades with that movie so yeah i was i was happily uh, pleased with that like that chick when she got the knife in the side of the head like into the and, building that was probably one of the most impressive special mm-hmm. effects i've seen in years, man. I, I mean, it's like it's it's almost reminds me of like watching Savini's work and stuff, and watching that you know grow and going, oh, what's he gonna get us with next? You know, this is the same yeah. situation with Laid to Rest. You know, and I'm sure this is gonna have a whole another batch of creative kills and definitely to me, like the gore is right up on the level like Ryan Nicholson's gutter balls, like that uh, over the top gore, but not like that trauma style over the top, just. Lots of blood, splatter. Quality, not quantity. Yeah. Exactly, like mean, mean-ass gore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Like, yeah, I'll definitely get it on my shelf. I'm interested in that Madison County, too, though. That's supposed to be another interesting slasher. That's a horror film, too, as well. I, <clears throat> I didn't know yeah. anything about that. I just heard about it, Um, of course, on in the interview. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm all for... Whatever it was, it's just Nick Principe was involved with that, or yeah, he plays. I think he's the killer in that too. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's maybe starting to get typecast, like Kane Hodder, possibly as uh, killers in slasher movies. But hey, you can't go wrong. You need a big, strong guy to do this anyway to fit the to fit the I guess the bill. I'm sure you don't mind. It's keeping him working, you know. Exactly. Mm. He's, he's a stunt man by trade, anyway. So. Yeah, and then he gets to get his face well, kind of get his face out there, I guess. You know. Gets a bigger paycheck than, if anything. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely I'm looking forward to this more than like say stuff like Hatchet Two and 
shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll probably check out Hatchet 2. I, I really didn't like Hatchet 1, and I never saw it when it, like, came out with the hype behind it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't impressed when I did see it. I was like, okay, well, well, whatever. You know, I think I've seen it on cable or something like that, you know. And, okay. um, you know, I, if I seen Part 2 on cable, you know, I'd check it out. But, you know, that's the kind of guy I am. I, if I don't like something or it doesn't doesn't look good to me right off the bat, I'll wait till it's pretty much free, you know. Like, it's just on. Yeah, Adam Green, that's a director, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more interested in seeing that film Frozen that he put out than Hatchet 2, actually. Yeah, that, heard... that's out now, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. I just haven't picked it up yet. I've heard yeah. some good some good things about that, though. Kind of a different style, like a nature horror film. People being caught on a chairlift, being shut down, and, yeah, just battling the elements and the heights and trying oh, to get Oh, kind of like and... a live but no cannibalism or <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if there's any cannibalism I doubt it but I think you got like their wolves trying to eat them and shit I don't know it looks interesting anyway something something different oh maybe we uh maybe I can get a copy of it and we can review it on the show then hell yeah definitely so I guess we'll get into it we do have a uh listener question here just one um it comes from us from uh Derek West who was uh, definitely a big fan of uh, Canadian Ferox and mm-hmm. is now definitely interested in this show as well um, and has followed suit. Uh, so I'll just read that off. It says, hey, guys, had kind of an odd question for such a sleazy podcast. What are a few of your favorite all-time movies that are not in the horror exploitation corner? Mine would have to be a tie between the infamous Back to the Future and lesser-known movie called The Rocketeer. I watched this movie at least three or four times a week when I was little, and just wondering if you cats have seen it and what you thought about it. Love the new show, and look forward to more sleaze and grease. D. Thanks, man, for that question. Hmm. Interesting, because a lot of my favorite movies, that they kind of borderline exploitation almost. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I know Godfather Part 2 would be one of mine. Well, uh, you know, I... As the couple of films he mentioned, I've never seen The Rocketeer. Um, I've heard about it. Maybe I've seen parts of it, but that was probably back in like the mid-90s, I think, when that came out. Um, back to the Future is the shit. I, my favorite is part two. Um, but as far as like non-horror movies or exploitation, like I guess I go back to like A Clockwork Orange, which, which then again borders that. So I guess you could say just about anything by Kubrick um, after... Spartacus, um, like Lolita, stuff like that I mentioned on my first episode. Um, you know, I just really don't delve into too many non-horror films. Like, you know, I like comedies. I like, uh, you know, 80s comedies and stuff, I guess. Hmm. I, yeah, I just for, really don't have one, you know? For me, yeah, I'd say, like, Rocky, The Godfather 2, uh, Revenge of the Ninja. really like that. Uh, fuck, there's lots of them. Scarface. <laughs> yeah, uh, Goodfellas would be up there on my list, I guess. I mean, it's it just like when someone says your favorite movie, it, I always draw to something from the horror exploitation. Just, you know, uh, I, I love non-horror films too, but they just they don't go up on the top shelf, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ro- Robocop, I guess, but that's... Almost exploitation in a way. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, that's a hard question, but that's a few of the ones I'd throw out there. Mm-hmm. Classics, I guess. J-Dog, he, he digs into a classic every once in a while. But you're not really into the mainstream stuff, are you? No, older shit. I watch, I watch anything that's good, but I don't watch very. I don't even watch new horror films actually. So, yeah. Yeah. fuck it. I'm stuck in a time warp. It goes <laughs> up to about '94, and I just get stuck. I can't come back. So yeah, I'm still rocking tie dye, and you should see the mullet I got, brother. It's a good thing I'm on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you were rocking. It was getting kind of long there, man. And uh, you had those five O's rocking. Uh, you yeah. definitely looked like uh, you could have been typecasted in some sleazy movie from the 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a throwback from way back. That's definitely it. So, uh, sorry if, you know, we couldn't give you a, a great answer there, Derek. But, uh, you know, keep those questions coming, I'm sure. Um We'll come up with something. So. Oh, my. I, th- I think my answer is pretty good. Yours is kind of half-assed. Mine was I, shitty. Yeah. Oh, well, so you get 50-50, you get one good answer, one shitty one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just fucking with you, man. Having some fun. Definitely, man. Uh, so I guess we should get into it now, um, what, what, what we're bringing them this week. Uh, as far as the episode goes, um, I guess besides hookers and crack, yeah, that's in the mail, by the way, Christmas stocking. It's on its way, yeah. yeah. The check is in the mail. But uh, this week on Obscure, we're bringing we're bringing you a, like a, a double feature, a, a double dose of Spinel, Joe Spinel, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, double dip in grease, a little Joe Spinel action. Yeah, you may know him as the Maniac. Um, that's one of his more well-known lead roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also in like Godfather, Rocky One, Rocky Two, lots of classics. Nighthawks, yep. He's like, wasn't he responsible for like Sylvester Stallone getting his like break and uh, show business pretty much too? Like Joe did a lot for like it- young Italian up-and-coming actors in the seventies and used his pull and stuff to get them. I don't know, get them out there, get them recognized, I guess. Well, I think back in the old uh, days when he was doing like uh, the Italian stallion porno, I think he um, he helped him get on his feet. Probably gave him a place to stay, put him up, and stuff like that. I'm guessing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what the story is, but uh, I think that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah, he he, he got him roles and um, got his foot in the door and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, he was a solid guy. He always looked out for his fellow Italians. And uh, he had a lot thing. of A-lister friends, too, like Steven Spielberg, and he knew a lot of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, he probably had a lot of dirt on these people, too. <laughs> if, you, if you partied like Joe Spinell did, you've seen a lot of weird shit in your time. Yeah, <laughs> you just, definitely. You could just imagine some of those parties he was at. Coke parties and shit, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what are we bringing him this week for Joe Spinell uh, Grease? Uh, what films mm-hmm. are we bringing First off, we're going to be talking about a film, uh, what is, uh, I can't remember exact year it's from, but it's the last horror film starring Joe Spinell, Carolyn Monroe. I think it was from about 1982 or something, this film. 81, 82. Well, it was shot in 81 at the Cannes Film Festival, so it probably would have come out in 82. Yeah. And then another one, uh, right towards the very end of Joe Spinell's career, this is his last starring uh, role in a film, but this is The Forgotten Gem, The Undertaker. Yep. Finally out in any format. It was only on the boot, bootleg circuit before, so. 
Yeah, fifth generation piece of shit bootleg. I've seen some screenshots from that. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, we got Code Rad finally give us that, and that's what we're going to be talking about in Obscure. We got, uh, yeah, good good times with Joe Spinell, minus yeah. Coke and the hookers. But Well, that might have been involved in the set of Undertaker, and I'm definitely sure the last horror film, he was over in Europe, you know, <clears throat> he was definitely partying hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there wasn't a scene in The Undertaker where Joe Spinell's pupils weren't uh, totally dilated right through his head. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he was a mess in that film, but we'll save that for the review. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and also, uh, this week we'll be bringing you web plugs with a uh, podcast that I've discovered recently called uh, Without Your Head. These guys have been around, I think, since probably late 05, early 06. Like, they've been in the game quite a while. Damn, pioneers. Definitely. And uh, they've got some great interviews on their show we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that and uh of course uh returning this week debuted on the last uh show was vhs vault and when are we bringing them in the vhs vault j-dog all right we got shit deep fried twice uh, which is aka 976 evil part two the astral factor the astral factor should be called the asshole the factor. asshole factor yeah <laughs> Yeah, we, well, we have mixed mixed reviews on this one. We'll save that for the review. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should should be interesting. And we would be bringing you a review this week, but of course we're going to be covering the review in obscure for the Undertaker. But there's not really much of a review with that DVD because there's there's not really much to it. But uh, all that and more, of course. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, sleaze, sleaze talk and everything. We can give you everything except titties and. Stuff like that. Get those from the movies we recommend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go out and seek that out, and you'll get the visuals. And you know, shit. I wish we could bring the show to you in smell-o-vision. You know, but <laughs> be, like, <laughs> be like, smell my fingers. <laughs> Cross them in front of the microphone. <laughs> yeah. Be like, what's that? Guess my what? Ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, good times. Definitely. So, um. I guess uh, if you you got anything else to spill, that's about it. Uh, okay. I guess have you been watching any more of The Walking Dead? I guess we talked about that in the last episode. There's been two more episodes since. So yeah, they're up to episode four now. Yeah, I haven't uh, gotten a chance to really delve into that. I, I was trying to find again episode two a couple oh, nights okay. ago, and uh, it doesn't seem like they're putting them up. I go to some of these free sites and. Uh, Hey, if anybody can give me a like a shout out on like a good link to watch them online, that would be awesome. I would love to catch up with it. Um, you know, basically, if I if I don't get to catch them, you know, this season, I'll just I'm sure I'll wait till the DVD comes out. But I can't imagine that coming out till at least after the second season's over because they'll probably put them together. I'm guessing. Hard to say. Hard to say. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's coming along pretty good. Like. Episode two or episode three was like Tell It to the Frogs or something, and mm-hmm. the other one was Vatos or Tell It to the Vatos. It should have been called. <laughs> and then yeah, there's pretty, two more episodes good. after, correct? Yeah, yeah, two more. So I'm I'm interested to see which way they go with that. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. There's still been a lot of mixed feedback. I don't know. A bunch of people bitch about it and stuff. It's like I just say fuck, just shut up, and just if you don't like it, don't watch it. And like fuck, I don't know. It's it's good stuff. Like, what the fuck do you expect from cable? Like, they ain't got. They're trying to put out more than one episode, so you gotta realize they got a budget and shit. And you bitch about acting. Oh well, like fuck. 
go go fucking start acting then and get in the movie and do a better job then. Right, <laughs> or go and direct your own movies or get your yeah, own TV deal or something. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. I'm just sick of hearing people bitch. Like, no matter how good something is, people still bitch about it. So I don't know. I don't well, know what the fuck people want. I think with anything that that has you know uh, as much popularity as the show has, there'll always be you know mixed feedback on it, of course, because there's got to be people out there to hate something, you know. And if there wasn't, then you know it, it's, we probably wouldn't even be hearing about it because I've never heard of a show where everyone just loved it, and I've never mm-hmm. heard any you know negative feedback. I mean, there's going to be at least one episode you're going to hate, and. You know, they only got six episodes to really do anything with, so, you know, what? it's it's a build-up, it's an introduction, you know. Sometimes the first season isn't always the greatest. I like shows where it, it builds up, you know what I mean? I've seen shows where they gave us, you know, the first season and then the rest of it was shit, and you just kind of stop mm-hmm. watching. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to blow your nut too too early. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, like, yeah, just quit bitching, and if you don't like it, don't watch it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna please everyone. You know how it goes. So I think some people just like to go against the grain anyway. And if everyone's saying how good it is, I'll just say how fucking how bad it is just to be a like a turd in the punch bowl. I guess. Yeah. Like fuck. I don't know. I don't like turds in my punch bowl. So <laughs> it takes away from the fruity taste. It makes everything taste like corn. Fuck it. Oh jeez. Getting off track, getting off track. Yeah, getting dirty talk. All right, uh, one thing I want to mention uh, before we hit our uh, little commercial break is uh, Axel from Profondo Cinema did us up a uh, a promo. I was going to try to get around to doing something with you once we this, this next time here while we're recording here. I was going to have us do something, but he, uh, he put something together himself, and um, I'm pretty impressed with it. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, man, me too. Like, the guy did it in his own time. We didn't ask him or beg him or offer him cash or anything for it. He just did it because he likes the show. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Went out of his way, definitely. Yeah, big up to Axel and Jay Scott at Profondo Cinema. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, I can't I can't say enough nice things about these guys. And, like, like I've known him for years and stuff just, you know, mm-hmm. through online and everything and, um, you know, it just bullshitting with them before was great, and you know now they've got a show, and it's almost like you know it's bullshit hour for whatever two hours or hour and a half with them, and and then you got the guy Axel doing my fucking promo, you know, for the show, and it's just like, uh, yeah, definitely big ups to them, and I really appreciate that, and uh, like it sounds great. Hell yeah, oh well, yeah, I got their backs, man. Like if you ever need like. J Dog for a rumble or something, just fold me. I got guns and knives and shit. So. <laughs> the whole I'm ready to arsenal. rumble. The whole what? arsenal. You betcha. <laughs> throw your throw your Rambo bandana on. You got the fucking Bowie knife in your mouth and shit. Like yeah, uh, my 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 David Bowie knife. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a real skinny queer looking knife I keep in my belt. A chick knife, huh? Yeah, little chick switchblade. Chick stiletto, yeah. Except the blade's flimsy. It's like a rubber blade. Oh, shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah, anyway, I guess it's almost time for a break, eh? We've rambled on long enough. J-Dog needs smoke anyway. He gets antsy. Definitely. So we're going to get to that break, and uh, we're going to play you that promo, too, um, so you guys can hear it and check it out. And, um, oh, 
one more thing before we go. Uh, we do have an email now. If you guys want to get, like, I know not everybody's coming from Facebook. Um, that is also a place where you can continue to post, you know, listener questions if you want or feedback. But we also have a, a email address. It's exploited underscore cinema at yahoo.com. And yeah, I mean, send your, send your mail there. I mean, whatever it may be. I mean, if you hate this fucking show, go ahead. Let us know. You know, because we want to hear the, the positive feedback, but we also really want to hear the negative feedback. Hell yeah. Hot, hot diggity, man. Yeah. We got a, we got an email now. So yeah, send us nude pictures, whatever, spam. I don't know. Do it, do it, do your, do your worst. Your souls. I mean, you can, yeah. you can email your soul too as well. PayPal me some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. All that, all that shit. Will me, you know, your whole fortune. Definitely. <laughs> Play, uh, por- porno collection or something. I'll take yeah. it. Definitely. So I guess we'll rock on to the break and we'll be back with Obscure Unexploited Cinema. If you've ever considered stepping behind the beaded curtain at a sleazy video store, if you've ever watched something so vile that you had to lock the door behind you, if you currently have a VCR still connected to your home theater, then get yourself over to Exploited Cinema. Bad32 and J-Dog always keep it greasy. And remember to keep telling yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Everywhere he looked, he saw beautiful people. All Vinny wanted was to be part of it. Women teased him. You naughty boy. Making him obsessed by them. So when he finally persuaded a woman or two to spend a little time... Would you move your hand a little to the right? Vinny made sure what he got was more than just teased. Vinny Duran became the fanatic radar. get into obscure and the first film we're going to start talking about is the last horror film aka fanatic and it was released in 1982 um the film stars uh joe spinell as vinnie duran uh who badly wants to work with this like scream queen named jenna bates and he wants her to star in like his film uh, so basically, he's been working as like a cab driver, and he saves up enough money, uh, apparently, so he can get on a plane and fly out to the Cannes Film Festival, where he thinks he's going to be able to meet her. Um, throughout the film, people like start to like turn up missing, um, like producers and directors and like like film stars and stuff, and pretty much it seems like. Well, Maniac's running loose again. Old Joe Spinell, Vinny Duran, is responsible. 
And this is also, you're kind of led to believe this through like a series of daydreams where like he has these flashes where he thinks he's like a filmmaker and he's like directing this big movie and he has like this inner struggle with himself. Like um, he's he's kind of like playing dual roles in these flashbacks where like he's dressed up in this suit stuff and it's like the successful big director Vinny Duran and then it cuts back to him like old Joe all sweaty and nervous and like it's basically like the insecure side of Joe um those shots kind of might lead you believe that he's kind of unstable and there's also a lot of scenes where he's like he keeps calling his mother and telling her I'm working with Jenna and it's great and we're shooting this movie and everybody loves me and his mom don't believe him. She's like, I don't believe you, Vinny. <laughs> Crazy and stuff. Like, you need to quit obsessing over this woman and come back and like, just drive the taxi and be satisfied with that. And like, he's not having it, of course, you know, and he keeps trying to like, meet her and, uh, then finally, he he actually does get to meet her. He comes in, he climbs in through like her bathroom window while she's like, just jumped out of the shower doing her hair or whatever, and like, she's not feeling him. Tells him to get out, and he brought her a, her favorite bottle of wine. He freaks out, goes into maniac mode, breaks the bottle, and like, pretty much is like in the threatening mode, almost about to put it up to her throat, and like, she gets away, and everyone thinks it's some kind of uh what was it like a publicity, publicity stunt yeah. she's running through the city in like a towel and stuff and um the film progresses and she gets out of town with her director boyfriend and goes out to this castle for the night to a word ceremony and he follows her out there and goes hey this is a great you know location for like the last scene in my movie and uh so he wants to set up this whole ending. And what do you remember what the name of the movie he's like shooting? Uh something like, of Dracula. Yeah, it's like a vampire rip off or something, isn't it? Yeah. Horror Dracula or I you know, I can't remember off the top yeah. of my head. So basically he he ends up going back to the award ceremony and dresses up like a cop and kidnaps her. And finally takes her out there, and then um, he films the last scene of his movie, and he's like, look, you know, and he did it with special effects, and he wakes back up, and he's like, I'm sorry I had to do it this way, but this is, like, the only way. And you're like, hey, maybe this, you know, maybe he's not a psychotic killer. And then who comes into the picture? Do you remember? Uh, Jenna Bates' boyfriend, uh, Brett Bates. Brett Bates. Yeah, played by Glenn Jacobson, I think was the actor's name. Yeah, all of a sudden he comes into the scene and we find out that he's batshit crazy and he faked his death earlier in the yeah. film. Like, we're led to believe that it's Joe Spinell that, like, you, well, this movie fucks with your head because, mm-hmm. like, Joe's so unstable and and stuff and, like, we're led to believe that he's fucking just batshit crazy and he's going to run amok at the Cannes Film Festival and... Like, all you see is these people, like, uh, that are associated with, uh, like, Carolyn Monroe's character, uh, Jenna Bates, like, they start to disappear, and you see a hand that crosses them out and scribbles them out of the, like, the film print that they show, and we're led to believe the whole time, yeah, it's Joe Spinell, but at the end, uh, all of a sudden, it's fucking her missing boyfriend, Brett. Like Yeah, it was the old, it was the old Giallo trick with, like, the black gloves and... We even, cause we've seen scenes with Joe and he was like, he does have a camera. 
and he is shooting stuff, and we see him at the airport at the beginning of the film, so we're led to believe this entire time he's the one shooting, and when Brett comes back into the picture, he's got a camera, and you go, well, wait a minute, you know? And there were also points when he's scratching out the footage, and then I'm like, there's no way Joe could have been there, or Vinny could have been there at that time, you know, to shoot that shot that he's scratching out, you know what I mean? And I think even by the end, you're still scratching your head. Yeah, because I, 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 first time I seen it, I both thought it was Joe Spinell the whole time, and then at the end, like, Joe turns out to be almost the hero, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Like, uh, he, uh, he helps Jenna escape, but when he uh, when he kills Brett, though, he kind of goes a little overboard with his kill. Like, you, you see the Spinell maniac come out then. But... Little chainsaw massacre, he, he gets the chainsaw buzzing. And... Yeah, a little beheading. Cuts him up. There's a good scene, too. You can see the crew laying on the ground, too, in that scene with the chainsaw, if you look real close on the DVD. See, I've got the Fanatic print, which is, I'm guessing, like, the original theatrical print, and it's not restored worth a shit, and it, it honestly looks almost like borderline VHS rip. Well, that was the thing back in the day. The picture was grainy and shitty, and you could get away with having people hiding on the ground and shit. Oh, yeah. Now, Nowadays, Blu-ray, these DVD restorations, they bring all that shit right out. Well, they, you know, that was kind of probably purposely supposed to be there because what's the next, we see the last scene in the movie, like, we reel back and we're in a movie theater and Joe and his mother, which is actually his real mother, mm-hmm. that's playing his mother in the film, they're like, sharing, they're smoking a joint and stuff and like watching the film that he shot or whatever. And I didn't know if, like, the cops, maybe it was a metaphor, maybe it was, like, the cops, because the cops were coming, and he had the chainsaw buzzing, and then it cuts, maybe the cops shot him and killed him, and now he's, you know, this is his hell, or maybe this is his heaven, or, you know. It's hard to say, yeah, it kind of leaves it open to interpretation, like, Mm -hmm. was this all just part of a movie, or what the hell was it, yeah? Is it all in Joe's head? Like, did yeah. he even go to the Keynes Film Festival? Like, fuck, is he still sitting in his cab reading his Starlog magazine or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck he mm-hmm. was reading? Like, like really, what what happened? Like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a lot. Of, I've heard this film. It's been shit on and pissed on a few times by other people. But I think, like, uh, as far as Joe Spinell film, like, I think it's re- really well done. And it's got a lot of cool twists and stuff. And it's fairly original and the whole thing being filmed on location at the Cannes Film Festival and... That just adds to some of the charm of it. Yeah, well, there were some there were some big stars and stuff like I think uh, John Travolta and there was a few others like on the red carpet. They've got some shots around the end of the film. Maybe there's more in your cut. I'm not sure because I haven't seen the uncut um, version of this. But uh, yeah, there's a bunch of like stars and I'm sure like they put their names in the credits and I'm sure they didn't even know what was going on. They probably thought they were like paparazzi. Um, <laughs> photographers and for the Cannes Film Festival because they like you said like they shot it like the entire during the entire Cannes Film Festival in 1981 Mm -hmm. I wonder if uh, people were even aware that David Winters was filming a film uh, during the film festival or if it was like part of like a a cool thing where people were wanted to be a part of this and they were putting like special uh things on for the movie and whatnot <laughs> well they had billboards and stuff and some of the shots uh for like um what was it like scream the film that they were like promoting wasn't it like for yeah, the film yeah. i mean you know um so they must people must have known there was a film shooting but i bet they didn't know who or what or where or when they were shooting and 
Um, I'm sure they probably had to shoot like kind of away from the main attractions, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's perfect. It's perfect, you know, pre-planning and stuff as far as the filmmaker goes because, like, you're going to have all these people on the streets, so, you know, you're not going to have to pay a bunch of people. And, you know, the production value on just that alone is is worth, you know, fortune, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, uh, that they didn't have to pay for, you know. Yeah, I was thinking that too. A lot of free publicity, uh, being doing it at the film festival, like it'll create an instant buzz about the film at the time, and yeah, just a lot of like the backdrops and stuff. It's already there. Like, take advantage of it. Like, you don't have to pay a lot of these extras. A lot of people were probably just happy, like, hey, we need some extras for today. Oh yeah, I'll do it. Like, like fans and stuff that are there to see films, why not take the opportunity to maybe be in a film? So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um... It was it was a great, you know, idea and concept and um I don't think it could be done again, but how well do you think this I mean, I don't even know if this did play in Cannes, but I know Troma they they try to get out to the Cannes Film Festival every chance they get. So, how, how do you think this did at the Cannes Film Festival? Hmm. You know, I'm not even sure. I'm I'm sure it would have done fairly well, but yeah. I'm not, I enjoy it anyway. Yeah, well, like it's promoting the area, you know, you'd think you'd get locals from from the area to come out and support the film and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. But it was done on a budget of about $2 million, so mm-hmm. I think you'd say a lot of the money would have went to pay Joe Spinell and Carolyn Monroe, which were both fairly big big names in the horror genre at the time, so. Yeah, Carolyn what... Monroe, she was in Maniac, correct? Yeah, and... Yeah. uh yeah, Maniac and Dracula AD, nineteen seventy two. Uh, what else is that bitch in? Uh, something else on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like I don't know. I wonder what an actor would would have made in a movie like this. What Joe's salary would have been? Probably fifty thousand, I would imagine. Yeah, fifty, 50 to one hundred or a thousand, you know, give or take. Uh, I'm sure he's probably worked for less. I'm, I'm sure Maniac. He, I think, wasn't didn't he only work for like ten grand on Maniac? Possibly, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Slaughter Slaughter High was the other movie I was thinking about with Carolyn Monroe. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. She is in that. Yeah, yeah. I I think uh, with the situation like this, I'm sure Joe would probably have uh, struck up a deal on, you know, uh, a larger deal, you know, as far as um, box office sales and a percentage of that, you know. He he was a smart businessman. He'd say, oh, yeah, I'll do this for you for $10,000 up front for my Coke and booze and, and hookers and, then, and whatever else. So, and and royal, royalty money, that's what Joe pretty much lived on. Yeah, that's what he'll live on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, lots of, like we were saying, Troma released this just recently on uh, – special edition dvd it's got all kinds of awesome special features i think it's got uh this one it's my best maniac an afternoon with joe spinell's best friend luke walter so some cat joe hung with it's got audio stories to tell i take it yeah he also did an audio commentary for the movie that luke walker Mm -hmm. interview with uh william lustig then you got the i guess the lost footage that would be uh maniac 2 i think mr robbie that's also on there. Oh, Mr. Robbie's on there as well, huh? Yeah, you betcha. That's uh, like the 
I guess it'd be a short film. It'd be considered by uh, Buddy Giovanni. It did uh, Combat Shock. Buddy G was doing that when Joe died. And, uh, yeah, it's got original trailers, TV spots, all kinds of stuff. So as far as a trauma release, like this and Combat Shock are probably two of their better ones. Like, yeah, I got actually, uh, I've got that Mr. Robbie on the special features of my uh, Combat Shock disc, too, as well. Yeah, I think it's on there, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they probably put it on both, because they're both uh, Trauma Retro releases, yeah. And it's relevant, Buddy G was directing it, so Combat Shock, Joe Spinell, last horror film. Mm-hmm. Do it up, double exposure. So, do you, do you have any, like, memorable scenes from the film that you can, like, think back on that really stuck out to you? Well, I like the scene where, uh, like, I guess the guy you find out at the end, Brett Bates, uh, where he, he's decapitated in the bathroom, and, like, you see a guy all dressed in black, like, creeping around in the shower, uh, running the video camera, where we're led to believe that's Joe Spinell. I always really like that scene, and, I don't know, just the scenes where Joe's sitting in front of the like in front of his mirror and he's putting on his old gangster hat and stuff. He just really had a screen presence, I thought. And he just, that like that look really suited him. Like for sweat, like the sweaty, greasy, pockmark looking dude he was. That, 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 I don't know, that look just, it made him look sophisticated. That was like the Joe Spinell look for me. So like you went you went more with like the sophisticated more scenes that made Joe actually look good, huh? Well, I, I, I also, like as far I also as... Like, uh, Sorry, man, I was cutting you off. I also no, like the scenes where he's, like, uh, crying to his mom and he's going crazy and stuff on the telephone and where he's fighting his his inner spinel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are also great scenes, too. Yeah, I love that stuff with his mom, but, like, I would have to say, for me, the most memorable scenes would have to go more the sleazy route, and they, they're, they're pretty much shown, like, in the same scene, and it's the scene where he's at the strip club... And he's all sweat in the back and shit, and he just keeps showing shots of him just sweating and sweating and getting greasier, and he, like, he runs out and jumps on the strip. He's like, I love you, Jenna! Yeah, I forgot about that, when he just jumps out and It keeps cutting back and forth with these, like, weird shots of him with the projector, and he's got a pair of bra and panties on. Yeah. That whole scene is... (laughs) Yeah, Joe's, uh, he's fast, he's like, uh, he's thinking he's the stripper on the stage and you see Spinell squeezing his titties together and his bra and stuff. It's, it's, uh, some traumatizing <laughs> stuff, actually. Yeah. Yeah, definitely disturbing stuff. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's great how he's sitting there just getting all greasy in the corner and he just says, fuck it, I'm just going to run out there and suck on this stripper's titties. Yeah, yeah. And, and he does it and, yeah. They're throwing him out, and all of a sudden he starts wailing and crying, and they just let him go. They're like, eh, fuck this guy. Like, fuck, we're not even going to bother. He's re- he's like a retard. Bouncers just bounces ass, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. really, that that scene really stuck out in my head, and I was like, for me, yeah, give this guy the fucking Academy Award right there, you know? Seriously, like, he, he should have won some kind of award for this film, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I know, uh, like, <laughs> Doing that at a strip club, just running out there saying, fuck it, I'm going to suck titties. I've tried that before a few times. And you like, get your ass beat? Oh, yeah, man. I got a beat down to the third power. Mm-hmm. I was I was in traction for weeks. So, Joey's lucky. He must have flipped them 100. They were like, hey, man, that's Spinel. 
Let him go. <laughs> oh, he does this every week. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been here before. He's a regular. Yeah. Yeah, let him go. Let him go. But yeah. Oh so, yeah. <clears throat> you got any closing thoughts on it? Um. Yeah, that I think that it's probably out of like everything Spinell has done. I think it's probably one of his most underrated films, and it's personally my favorite. And I, you know, I might get these Maniac fans writing in, hey, I, I appreciate the Maniac, but this is something different. It's got that attitude, but it's something different. It's something I've never seen. I've never seen a film shot at the Cannes Film Festival. I've never seen a slasher film at a film festival. That's a brilliant concept, you know, and, and it's got the it's got the eighties, the early eighties attitude and it's just got everything. I mean, plenty of TNA, there's plenty of tits and yeah. Lots of that shit in this movie. Lots of sleazy moments. And uh, I would have to say, like, if you want to look at Joe Spinell's entire career, this would probably be, like, his peak. Everything after this was just downhill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is before he started getting too fat and too sweaty. But, yeah, like you were saying, uh, David Winter's whole concept of what he wanted to do with this film, just, like, it couldn't have worked out any better for him. Like you said, it's very original. So I give, uh, I don't know what else What else has David Winter has really done. Well, I was I give him. I was looking at his, his his little uh, IMDb page, and he got his start directing a couple of the Monkeys TV show. Well, yeah, he got his start, and he was a big producer and stuff too. And uh, it looks like he's had a huge career in producing. So obviously, he's got the you know he's got to where it counts when it comes to like coming up with good concepts and marketing and you know so on and so forth. So. Yeah, the last horror film was probably his uh, his best movie directed. But yeah, like you said, he's choreographer, actor, director, producer. So the man knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, you know, I, I personally, you know, a lot of fans out there, Joe Spinell fans, would probably have rather have seen a sequel to Maniac. Personally, I'd rather have seen a sequel to this film. I mean, it would have been. I mean, technically, he wasn't. He didn't die. I mean, let's. Let's get another mm-hmm. greasy gem from Joe, you know? Let's do, you know, Cannes Film Festival. He could have done it like 1985, 1986. But, you know, I, I imagine by then uh, Joe was probably uh, too far gone to even hold something, even entrust him with a project like that again. Yeah, this one, like, it's, like you said, it... Uh... This is uh, primetime Spinell. Like, this movie, he really gets to show his range as an actor and a lot of the different scenes and the flashbacks and stuff he has. Like, he's not just playing his uh, typical greasy maniac character. He's, I don't know, I just thought he got to show a lot of the range he had as a serious actor in this, even though it's a corny slasher film. But he yeah, did have some serious parts for him anyway. And I could see why people would overlook it, because they would just, you know, just say, well, you know... This is a this is an unofficial shitty sequel to Maniac, and it's not very good. And and let's dust it under the rug. And uh, you know that's what I think happened to it. And I'm glad that Troma finally put it out in in an uncut version. With is it a two disc set or is it just no. one? It's just a one. But it's got some extra features, and it's better <laughs> than the next film we're going to talk about as far as extra features. I can guarantee you that. You betcha. We may as well dive right yeah, into that. Let's I get guess. right into that. Yeah. All right, the second one we're going to be talking about, well, we've already said, but this is The Lost Gem, the unicorn of Joe Spinell films. 
Many people believed it was yes. <laughs> yeah, like many people believed it was out there, but no, no one had ever seen the motherfucker until now. Some people Cold. had. There was there was bootlegs floating around and stuff. But yeah, people also claimed to have seen unicorns and leprechauns and one-legged hookers, but yeah, I've yet to see any of that shit. But anyway, yeah, this Undertaker. This is uncut. Uh, first time on video. So yeah. But this, there's a little, like, backstory behind this film. Like, this film was an incomplete film. Uh, I believe Joe died while... No, this movie... I might have ran out of funding because Joe died during Mr. Robbie, so... If I do believe... Actually, right. Mr. Robbie, I thought that was... Because I've seen on IMDb that said it was shot in 1986. So maybe okay. that was, like, a project that was ongoing throughout 86 to 89 when he died. Possibly J-Dog could just be out to lunch. But anyway, yeah, this film was incomplete, and uh, these guys at Code Red, they went back and they put it together, and I don't know, I'm not a real fan of the editing, though, like, uh, this movie, it focuses around uh, Joe Spinelli, he plays The Undertaker, what was, Roscoe was his name? Uncle Roscoe, yep. Yeah, Uncle Roscoe, he's running a fu- funeral parlor in New Jersey, business is slow, like, the movie, we uh, it opens with a scene at... Uh, at a, at a health club, you got all these chicks, uh, not as good as killer uh, workout. Mm-hmm. I think a bunch of chicks with, like, fat titties and satchel ass and stuff while shaking their spandex, and they're talking about uh, eating healthy, and you got it cuts to Joe Spinell saying business is down, people are taking too good care of themselves, and this and that, and that's kind of like the whole ongoing theme of the movie. And so uh, people are living longer and this and that, and they're all into working out one of the themes i guess the movie's a fucking jumble actually yeah it's that that theme if if you grab that theme like i didn't even draw that theme from that but if you did that's lost (laughs) within this film yeah at the beginning anyway they were kind of talking about that shit Mm -hmm. but yeah you got joey starts creeping around he needs to get, get get some business going for himself so he's out he's knocking off chicks and He's creeping on girls. He gets some nice, some good tits and ass in this, though. Yeah. That's one thing. Well, tits and ass, anyway. I don't know how good it was, but. Decent. There was tits and ass. That's fuckable, I guess. I next know. door, next door type caliber, I guess you could say. Yeah, 6 8 beer and not laid for a couple weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll jump it, but it's all good. But yeah, you got Joe doing all that stuff, and, uh, like, really, I didn't understand the logic of it though he's trying to drum up business but uh he's not leaving any bodies at the murder scene so <laughs> what's yeah. up with that joe <laughs> yeah I, I found that odd and there's 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 not really that many kills to begin with anyway and like really throughout the film i mean like you pretty much summed up the plot i mean there really isn't a plot here mm-hmm. it, yeah, you, got all, you got all these subplots that they're trying to add in like with uh joe's nephew you supposedly see Joe molesting a corpse or something, and he's got a teacher, whatever the fuck kind of course she teaches. Necrophiliac. Yeah, necrophilia course. Yeah. Like Jeffrey Dahmer and the boys, John Gacy, they're all in that class. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and like, you got him and her, they're trying to, uh, he's trying to convince his teacher that his uncle uh, Roscoe's uh, behind this serial killer in action that's going on, and then you got... Uh, this detective, he's in the movie too, and then you got the fucking dude that runs the Forty Second Street Theater, the security guy. He thinks he's fucking uh, Columbo, and he wants to get in on the action. He's trying to put two and two together, and they're staking out and they're following Joe around. And I don't know, the movie just jumped all over the place from one thing to the next, and it'd be like, well, just give closure to something before you go to the next thing. 
I don't know, it was just hacky editing and a lot of un a lot of unfinished footage, I guess, so Yeah, to me this this film really looks like they had like um like a rough edit. It wasn't finished. They sure weren't finished shooting. They had a rough edit of it. They couldn't get no more money. Um and they just said, Well, fuck it, we've got enough stuff that we're gonna try to finagle something together and did you notice that sh- there's a, quite a few shots in there they're just inserts they're not like whole scenes but they look like they were shot on like a camcorder like i remember there's mm-hmm. a one scene where they cut to an exterior of the the morgue or whatever or mortuary and yeah it looks straight up looks like uh like they had the news cameras come down and in, in 1988 or 1987 and just shoot that pickup shot real quick and they just inserted yeah. it like nobody would notice yeah, a lot of their cutaway shots and stuff definitely were done that way. Uh, there's something else I noticed. What was that movie, The Corpse Vanishes, like, mm-hmm. that Joe kept watching every day? I, I wonder if that was, like, added filler to it, too, where they'd, uh, where they'd show. And it seems like every time someone was watching something on TV, it would be a public domain movie that they'd fucking give you two minutes of footage out of that they just the screen would just go to it and well it was cheap it was really cheap looking too remember like the the like the tv looked like a photograph and then they just had superimposed the the video onto it and even the movie screen looked like mm-hmm. like it looked like a drawing or like a cartoon movie screen around it and they just superimposed the the movie in there and i think that was done last minute i think that was, think to so get run time. That was just to get runtime like possibly added to it so uh, Code Red could even finish the film. Do you think Code Red added that, or do you think that was in the original? Because I'd love to see now, seeing this Code Red print, just to see, like, get it, maybe, you know, the work print that was floating around the fifth generation, or it looked like fifth generation from the stills I've seen from it, the screenshots. Uh, I think that would be interesting to see, like, um, how much Code Red brought to the table with that to finish that print. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, because, well, they they uh, did the editing, didn't they? I'm guessing they would have had, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I haven't seen this this bootleg that's been fro- floating around, like, out there, um, but I'm guessing that they had to do some kind of editing, because like we were talking about earlier in the intro about Double Helix, they're the ones, I'm pretty sure they're the ones who originally put this out, and now with Sleepaway Camp 4, I'm guessing this was probably on the shelf, it wasn't finished and if they're you know the bootlegs are floating around out there probably weren't finished and you know they found some stock footage to throw to it i mean because like you see those scenes when the girl's sitting in the house and she's watching the movie on the tv it's obvious that they there was probably supposed to be more scenes of joe sneaking around and they just didn't have it because like there Mm -hmm. never is a shot of joe when he kills that girl in the house like his hands come through the window and he like puts the rag over her mouth and gives her the shot in, in the ear and then, then that's it. You don't you don't ever see him throughout that scene. Yeah, it could have been anyone. Yeah, it was actually it was edited by a dude from Grindhouse releasing that David uh, Sulchin dude or Sulkin or whatever to I think he's the one that they brought in to do the Sleepaway Camp four finished copy okay. too as okay. well, so there you go. <laughs> see we're at we're putting two and two together on the show. We're I fucking, wonder I wonder if Code Red's going to be the one... I wonder if they bought that print, too, and they're going to release that. Because they said they were... I guess we could talk a little bit about Code Red. I guess they have announced... A lot of people probably know they have announced they're going to close their doors next year. They haven't said what day Mm -hmm. that they're going to close the doors and stuff. Um, I don't know if they're doing this just as publicity, but... um, 
maybe they're going to release the Sleepaway Camp too as well, and maybe they have the rights to that. Possibly. Did you notice, just uh, on an off-topic, did you watch any of the Code Red uh, trailers on the Undertaker disc? Yes, I did. I watched them all now. Did you notice how the very first one was Nightmare in a Damaged Brain, that they're showing a trailer for that, so... That that should be coming along here. Hopefully, I'm I've heard that it's supposed to come out before the end of the year. So hopefully, yeah. we're gonna get a stocking stuffer of a fucking nightmare, man. I'm I'm so psyched and looking forward to it. Like, yeah, that trailer got my mouth watering. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope so. They 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 keep tickling our dicks with talk of this fucking DVD coming out. So it's like make make with it. That's all I gotta say. Well, I want well, I want to see this. Even if but actually, it's did... like the Undertaker disc here that we have, bare bones, it's still acceptable. I don't give a fuck, mm-hmm. you know. Did you, did you notice so uh, shitty the the transfer look though in the trailer? I thought anyway. I was like, fuck, my VHS dub that I made off my VHS copies. I thought it looked twice as good in a lot of scenes. Well, I think that trailer was is got scenes from my cut, which is the 21st century cut. Because it's got, remember I was telling you about that cut and it had like these um, purple blotches. They look like, they look like um, artifacts from the print being stored, not properly. Mm-hmm. And that's, I seen that on that trailer. So I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping that that's not what this print's going to look like. Because I did see the 21st century print cleaned up that um, was put out in the UK. And it's the same print, but they were able to get rid of that artifacts, those purple artifacts. So hopefully, worst case scenario, they can take some from some of that UK print of the 21st century cut, and then with the rest of the cuts and put them together. But quite frankly, if they're going to give us an uncut, completely uncut print, every shot from every other print that's out there in this print, I don't give a shit how shitty it looks. I don't care if it looks like it's been dragged through the mud. I want it, you know. I want it. Fuck it, they should do like a two disc with all, every uh, different release of the film, every different cut of the film. Put them all in one DVD release. Oh, like the Dawn of the Dead Ultimate edition. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome too. Yeah. Who'd buy it besides the hardcore geeks? So they'd have to do it in like a 500 print run or something, without so they wouldn't lose money. Probably though. Well, I think from what they were saying on their blog, Code Red's blog, because that's. That's kind of how I found out that they were doing a contest for Undertaker, the Undertaker cover. They had three covers for you to pick from. Um, that was back in July when they announced the Undertaker, and I think maybe a month after they announced, you know, Nightmare is, yes, finally going to come out this year, but apparently, like, nobody from the film wants to talk about it, and, like, the director hates it, and they basically had to, like, you know, pull some strings to get him on board, and I guess the main trouble with that DVD is... Um, the documentary that was shot is all in, uh, well, I think he's Italian, mm-hmm. the director, and it was all shot in with him speaking in Italian, and they told him, look, you know, they paid him for this interview, and, like, they told him, you know, we need it for English, because we don't have that kind of money, and he did it He did it in his own language anyway, and now well, they have this featurette. Now they have this feature. Well, it's like they said that, like, most of the documentary is just him on screen, so whereas... You know, you'd be editing a documentary and it would cut to other stuff. It's just him on the screen most of the time and he's speaking very fast. And I've done some subtitling before on just some things here and there. And it's really difficult to get the timing. And, you know, if he's throwing a bunch of stuff up there, you know, 
and he's speaking quickly, and you can only put this much block of wordage on the screen before he's going to say the next thing. You know what I mean? Like, they could do it, and they could bring a guy on probably to do it for free and do it half-assed, and I would rather them do it because what they're saying is they're not even going to release it if they can't get it ready, and I say, fuck that. Just release it half-assed at the very least because there's, the odds of this ever coming out again is, is slim to none. Mm-hmm. You know, give us word. what you can. <clears throat> word up, word up. I guess, fuck, we've gotten off tra- off topic enough here, well, fucking on the Undertaker, but I this, guess it's, it's, it still ret- pertains to the topic, I guess, it, though. Well, the Undertaker was kind of shitty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be honest here, but, I mean, uh, I guess we could talk a little bit about the extra features on the disc. There, There's only really one thing, and it's an interview with uh, Robert Forrester, and he wasn't even in The Undertaker. He was just became, I guess, friends with... And his daughter talks, too, because they um, they had done a film before. I don't remember what film it was, or he had done a couple films with him. Um, and uh, it was just, like, him telling, like, some anecdotes or whatever about working with Joe. And I kind of seen it, like, I like Robert Forrester, like, really from Tarantino's uh, Jackie Brown. But... Okay. He just, it was just like, it was kind of pointless because he didn't even work on the film. He had no input to give on The Undertaker. And I was kind of like, this is great and all, but I want to hear about The Undertaker. I want to hear from the at least the director. Or like, I know Spinell can't give his two cents, but, you know, <clears throat> what about the director? What about, you know, at least one member of the cast that can say what production was like, you know? Because, I mean, it's a mess, and I think people that see this movie are kind of like going to be like scratching their head going, what's the explanation here with give us something, you know? Yeah, true that. Well, the director, what the hell, Franco Stefiano, whatever Italian dude. Yeah. This was the only, uh, the only film he ever worked on probably with good cause. Cause it wasn't very good. Uh, yeah. even, even like, like you said, this movie, like if it didn't have Joe Spinell in it, I probably would have watched it still, but I wouldn't have, like. I would definitely not go back and watch this film if it didn't have Spinel. I'll watch it a few times just because I got a kick out of uh, just seeing a drunk Spinel. Like he was drunk and coked out in this movie. You could tell he was. His eyes were dilated right out. He was mumbling his lines. Like fuck, half the time you couldn't understand what he said. The the scenes where he's sitting there fucking looking like Barney the dinosaur in that big purple <laughs> dish. That, what was a big, a purple cape or dashiki or fucking yeah. swearing. Like, you could tell Joe was out of shape. Like, he was fucking fat. He was sitting there looking like a blimp, like a hut almost. Yeah. Well, a lot of, you remember a lot of the scenes, like, they cut to him and he's just sitting there, like, mm-hmm. me and a buddy were laughing because I, I told him, like, a little bit of, you know, behind the story, you know, what was kind of where Joe was at this point. And, uh, I remember the scenes where he puts the videotape in and they keep showing that, that smoke in front of his eyes, like the cigarette smoke, and he's like laughing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember there's one scene where like it's miscut, like they didn't have a cut. They didn't have like a good cut of the shot, so they just threw a half assed one in there. And I said, I bet you probably Joe at that point, it was probably like, he was probably a three take man. He was probably like, that's all I'm giving you. Like I gotta go do a rail and I gotta go do a couple shots, you know, like. He probably was like, fuck you. You know, I'm not doing it again. And uh, I am, I imagine, like, him all fucked up and shit, and, like, in that way. I don't care how nice people can say Joe was. Like, when you're when you're to that point and you're, like, at the edge and stuff on, like, a binger and stuff, 
you don't give a fuck who you're going to offend, who you're pissing off, you need your fix, you know, you're getting irritated, and it's dragging on longer than you want, and you feel like you're doing him a favor, and I'm sure he was probably hard to work work with on this film, because it, it shows even in the performance, like, the performance isn't even there, it's like a shell, it's sad, because it's like almost like a shell of what Joe once was, like, it's Joe, like, the image there is Joe, but, like, inside, it's like he ain't there at all. Mm-hmm. Yep, totally, man. Yeah, it's Joe on his last leg. It's it's cool, like for all uh, like for people that want to see the the obscure movie and stuff, the movies you can't find. Well, this is one of them. You can be uh, one of the one of the few, I guess, to see it now finally. And it's a DVD that's going to be out of print right away. Like yes. you said, Code Red's going out of business. I can't see this being a huge printing in the first place. Well, and, uh, yeah. do you remember their 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 release of Slithis? Did you ever pick that up? No, I wouldn't mind though. I got VHS tape well, two of them. They said that Slithus on its first on an, on release, I think it was um sometime around the beginning of the year, wasn't it? Or maybe it was around July when they put that out. They said they mm-hmm. only sold like seventy six copies of it. And really? I think that's gonna be good. They said that's gonna be going out of print. They said for sure Undertaker's gonna go out of print. They're not printing up that many copies. And Nightmare, when that comes out, if you're if you're a hardcore Nightmare and Damage Brain fan, you better cop that shit. You better pre-order it. You better get your hands on it as quickly as possible because they already said as soon as that one comes out, it's going to be going out of print. So mm-hmm. I think if you're a diehard Spinel fan and like you're a completist, you have to you have to get your hands on this and like shit man i'm not even like i like joe spinell but i'm not even that diehard of a fan but like this this is required for any like slasher fan out there too i think oh definitely yeah it's required viewing for sure because it's never been on it's never it's said on the cover it's never been on 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 home video so i mean you're talking beta you're talking laser disc you're talking vhs you're talking, what, what are those other, what's that one player you've got? Uh, Selecta. Selectivision CDs. Selectivision, yeah. yeah, you can guarantee it, it didn't come out under that. So, um, And before this, like I said before, I think the only print you could get was that shitty fifth generation uh, bootleg, and who knows what the fuck that even was like, you know. So once this goes out of print, yeah, I could see this being like a, Maybe not as much, but like a Savage Streets situation, I think. Uh, I think Nightmare and a Damaged Brain will be more of that situation when that goes under, you know. Mm-hmm. This will fall into that category, and you'll probably have to shill out, you know, 50, 60 bucks. And shit, man, I got it for 10. I couldn't say I couldn't see paying 50 for this thing, but that's yeah. just me. What did I pay, like 15 or something? Yeah, that's not bad either, you know, compared to 50 or, or even 30, you know. Yeah, buy it while you can. Mm-hmm. All right, on. I guess we've gone on enough about that. So, uh, do you recommend this film to the fans, though? Like of Joe Spinell, or do you recommend it to slasher fans? I recommend it to the hardcores. If you want, if you're that kind of guy that wants, if you're like me and you, uh, you've heard about this shit and stuff, and it, it's something you just have to watch. Like it's obscure. It's uh, it's like an urban legend. It's it's worth yeah. checking out. Like if you're a Spinell fan, if you're a Slasher fan, it's just one of those lost movies that are finally available and possibly for a limited time. So I'd jump on it. I'd take the chance. If you're a true hardcore horror fan and you enjoy cheese and bad movies on a level that you can enjoy them, definitely worth a watch. Yeah, but go in with, like, if you're going to pick this up, definitely go in with, like, low expectations. 
don't don't think this you're you found Joe Spinell's ultimate gem, you know, and you're this is gonna put his career over and it's not that situation. It's just it's it's nice to see stuff like this finally come out and and it does look like a uh, a Buddy G fl- film from like New York, doesn't it? Doesn't it have that that in late '80s, early '90s grindhouse, almost like Jim Van Bever, uh, uh, Richard Stanley, you know, it, those guys. It kind of feels like a little bit of their film, almost a little bit the style and the bad acting and. Mm-hmm. Definitely has a gritty feel to it for sure. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, we're going to get into the next, where we're going to take a break, and then we'll get into our next segment, which is web plugs. We'll be plugging a podcast called Without Your Head. So stay tuned, you motherfuckers. This is Exploited Cinema, and we'll be back. Yeah. Attention podcast shoppers. If you have a sweet tooth, we have a special treat for you. If you download an episode of Profondo Cinema in the next half hour, we'll give you a bag of audio ear candy free to take home to the kitties or enjoy yourself. So, hurry and download an episode at ProfondoCinema.com. Hello, world! This is the event mankind has been waiting for. That risque rascal. That far-out feline. Fritz the Cat is back. He's come a long way, baby. And now he's up to his tail in outrageous adventures. In the nine lives of Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Kraut. This conquest of the world thing is just to get attention. I was not conscious of that. Fritz the Continental. These chicks know where it's at by the time they're 11. Fritz the Casanova. Want to drop your phony inhibitions and love your fellow man? Fritz in the White House. Stop kissing my hand. Fritz in the Black House. Don't anybody move. What's this? We found you with toilet paper that you hair And Fritz in outer space. We have ignition. You'll meet Morris. It's tough to find that good pickle. Duke. Fritz, you ain't changed a bit. You still don't know where it's at. One. I've been dodging gallop a lot. Nikki. Are you fucking You f can I rip you off? Get the f out of my shop! Lucifer. Excuse me, but did anyone find an earring? And God. Yeah, yeah. I've been God for about three and a half years now. We interrupt this telecast for a message of real importance. I decided that I just wanted to be a prostitute. It's nine times as funny, nine times as freaky, nine times as funky. It's disgusting. How dare you? You got no class, man. As fabulous Fritz outfritzes himself in the nine lives of Fritz the Cat.
Hey guys, welcome back to Web Plugs. Uh, this week we'll be plugging a podcast, another podcast, um, called Without Your Head. Um, some cool guys, uh, I think they're out of Massachusetts. Yeah, I think that's what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and, uh. They've got some great interviews on their on their podcast. Uh, they got the guy uh, from um, Human Centipede, I think, on their October episode. Yeah, um, Doctor. I, I can't remember the guy, the actor's name, but yeah, the, uh, the guy that played the Mad Doctor in Human Centipede. Mm-hmm. Seen they had Michael Berryman and all kinds of other guys that have done interviews. Some guys that haven't, like quite a variety, actually. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I listened to the uh, Michael Berryman episode, and I listened... Well, that one also had... Um, who else was I think it was a double in, uh, like interview episode. Bill Mosley, was it? Yeah. Yeah, that's who it was, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, pretty well-rounded. I think it's three guys that do it, but uh, the last few episodes I've been listening to, it's like two guys, and then they have another buddy that calls in and does like the news portion. Cool. Some Uh, original stuff going on then? Yeah, I would say. I think they've been around since 2005, like late 2005, early 2006. So they've been in the game for for quite a while. Um, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're the first who, I don't know. (laughs) A lot of people claim they're the first, but uh, these guys are pretty well-rounded whether you know, they are or not, it's, you know, they've got over, I think, 250 episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you, once you have that many episodes up, you've been in the game for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you got credentials then. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a lot of the, uh, like, um, breaks, their little break segments, they play, uh, the host plays a lot of punk rock and uh, a lot of stuff I'm into, man. So, and they cover a lot of stuff I'm into. That's all you can ask for in a podcast, actually. Something that appeals to your likes. So. Yeah, definitely. So um, I recommend you guys check them out. Give them a listen. Um, it seems they they seem to always have uh, interviews, at least just about every episode. I think it's a bi-weekly uh, podcast, similar to ours. But maybe it's once a month. I'm not sure. Uh, I've only been listening to it for like probably three weeks now, so... Um, but check them out. It's, uh, at without, your, without your and go over there and give those guys a listen. And uh, I'm sure they'd love to hear some feedback on their podcast and, you know, check them out. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I highly recommend it too. Go give it a listen. I got to catch up on a little more. I've just recently like Nikki just introduced me to it. So I'm really fresh to it too, but good stuff so far. Yeah, definitely. So I think we're going to, I know this is a little short segment, but I think this is probably always going to be a short segment. So, but we're going to get into the VHS vault after the break. So stay tuned. You're kicking it here with Exploited Cinema. Evil has a new number. And the Dex has found a new way to reach out and kill someone. 976-EVIL-2 The shocking sequel to the 1988 home video smash is here. Isn't that You will look happy to see me. Out of the 
darkness and into the light comes your horoscope on this dark and stormy night. Push 666 for your horoscope now. So they keep calling the number because all of a sudden they got some sort of power that they never knew they had. You will receive the power that you desire to fulfill your purpose and feed your fire. Marvin, it's so nice to see Good day, Miss Lloyd. And do drive safely. I've dreamt of touching you like this. Dad wants me. There's nothing I can do to stop him. I'm gonna kick your ass, psycho. How does this guy get to be in two places at the same time? May I help you? Yeah, I'm uh, looking for a book on out-of-body experiences. Patrick O'Brien from No Holds Barred and the original 976 Evil co-stars with Beverly Hills Cop 2's Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah, you kind of remind me of uh, Elvira on steroids. sweetest thing. With Renee Awesome from Postcards from the Edge. Hey guys, welcome back to the VHS vault, that uh, squeaky, big old vault door opening up. Yeah, you're in the vault, that's what that means right there. And uh, this week we're talking about, uh, well, what do we, you thought it was a piece of shit, but uh, <laughs> some may call it a gem, I guess. And that's uh, 976 Evil 2, The Astro Factor, it's from 1991. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, um, the film opens with a uh, uh, nice little bit of uh, gratuitous nudity with a little titty shot in the shower. Yeah, I didn't um, mind that. Yeah, not at all. Grandma Panty chase scene right at the beginning. <laughs> yep. Like, satchel ass was flying all over the place, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, basically it was like a little chase scene and there's this guy this old man and he's like in a trench coat or something and he's like following her and uh she gets on stage and like i guess it's like a school or whatever and uh, mm-hmm. she's like on the stage and they've got like a set built there and these pillars or something fall on her and pale her and kill her and that pretty much kicks the film off uh, yeah, I thought it was hilarious, well, like the chicks in the shower, and all, she's drying off, and all of a sudden, buddy suit and tie just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, know? yeah. He's, he's just creeping around like David Hess in the shower rooms. Yeah, and she was totally weirded 
Yeah, like, whoa, where'd this fucking cat come from? Well, yeah, that's that's the beginning of the movie in a, in a, in a nutshell, really, though, but pretty cool opening, though. Like, you get to see titties and ass right off the start. Shower scene, what better way to open a film? Like, hey, I was down right from the get-go. Yeah, on, on I certain On certain things. We'll get to what I didn't like later on, but. Okay. So, uh, basically, um, we cut to, uh, a guy riding into town on his motorcycle, and he's, like, in, like, black leather and shit, and looking pretty badass. Um, this is the character of Spike. Now, no, Spike was in the first one, correct? Yeah, it was Stephen Jeffrey's, uh, cousin or whatever it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Spike. something like that. Yeah, he come riding in looking like the fawns on his motorbike in this one. No, was, was, was that yeah. Pat O'Brien in the first one, too, as well? I thought it looked like him anyway. Okay. Like, yeah, because like, by this time, Stephen Jeffries is too busy sucking dick and shit, so he was making gay porn. He had no time for 976 <laughs> Evil, too. Yeah. I guess, and I guess take it in the hoop pays more than uh, acting in B-level slasher films, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Career, cho- career choice that he made anyway. Yeah. So, like... uh Spike rolls into town, like, looking all badass and shit, and he uh, pulls up to this bar, and he goes in, and uh, basically the phone starts ringing, and he goes up to it, and of course, you know, who's on the other end? It's the 976 Evil, and uh, it's basically, if you're not familiar with the first film, it's uh, basically like a 900 hotline, which, uh, when you call it, you're given some kind of magical powers... And, uh, it starts, it's like hell or something and opening up, like, this, is that what it is? Like, I don't know if it's ever really... Something like that, it's something to do with the devil and, like, your, uh, like, like, people are, that are fucking with you and stuff, like, you start getting revenge and things just start going your way, like, with the 976 evil horoscope. Like, you gotta be a real square motherfucker to be phoning that in the first place, like, like, I'm gonna phone up 976 evil horoscope, like... Unless it's sucking my dick, I ain't paying six ninety five a minute for it. Well, I guess back, this came out in, what, 91, 92? I think it was 91, so, you know, uh, that, I guess that stuff was kind of big back then, I guess, wasn't it? Mm, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, phone sex, all that, like, uh, horoscope hotlines. Remember, you used to see that shit on TV all the time and, like, yep. the infomercials and stuff, so. Yeah, like, USA Up All Night would run, like, 900 numbers you could call all night, you know, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was the fad at the time. So, yeah, it was kind of a cool take on it, too. Like, uh, you phone in, it's, it's gives, it gives you all this, like, this creepy cats talking on the other line and giving you this, like, uh, medieval horoscope. Or, I guess, why were they uh, doing it was, like, this guy was using, uh, like, the powers of the fucking, uh, the horoscope and, like, the astral factor or whatever the hell that is in this movie, eh? Well, basically, we, yeah, we jump to uh, the college dean, Mr. Grubeck. Uh, he's, like, being hauled into custody, and basically you realize that that's the guy at the beginning chasing the girl. Mm-hmm. And um, he's brought in and for custody in, in custody for, like, the murders that are going on in town. And um, basically he makes, like, his, la- his, makes his phone call, his only phone call or whatever, and he calls 976-EVIL, and they give him... The astral factor power, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. I mean, that's because he starts climbing out of his body um, in the jail cell, and he's able to continue his work killing people and whatnot. And uh, you remember the first uh, victim? It was old Buck Flowers. 
he uh, he saw the first killing at the beginning of the movie, and he was going to testify against him, and he was like the only one tying Grubeck to the to the crimes. That was the old drunk that was passed out in the theater. Yeah, yep. he old Buck his, Flowers yep. shook his shook his whiskey off long enough to see this girl getting killed. Yeah, and then what? Do you remember his death? What it was? <laughs> you know, fuck. I'm drawing a blank. I was I was tired when I watched this, but what the hell was it? It was probably yeah. the most memorable. I think it was probably the most memorable death in the whole film. He uh, he lures old Rummy Buck Flowers out into the into the highway, and a big semi comes along and splatters him all over the place. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I thought he got I thought he got run over by a vehicle or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. Um, I I mean, I've got of course most people have the shitty VHS, you know, whatever and. You can't really see the details. I think if this film ever did come out on DVD, that that scene would probably look better. I mean, you can't see all the chunks because it's dark, but, uh, eh. yeah. you know, that's probably the high point of the film. But uh, we're also introduced to uh, our character of Robin, which is pretty good-looking little blonde bombshell, I would say. Her acting wasn't great, but uh, she didn't mm-hmm. do too bad of a job on, like, the eyes, huh? Yeah, she was easy on the eye. She would have been better off, like, I don't know, probably softcore pornos and stuff like that. A lot of nudity, a little less talking, but, yeah, she was all right. But was she, uh, she, well, she seen, uh, she was, like, fucking, she seen the, the professor getting dragged in, didn't she? And that's how she got brought into it? Yeah, when uh, he comes he, in, she, well, she recognizes him because, like, she works in his office or something at the college, and, uh... Yeah. She touches him and, or, like, doesn't she touch him or something? Like, somehow she's, like, uh... She, she brushes against him or something, yeah, and, uh, fucking... Doesn't she pass out or something like that? Yeah, well, at some point she finds the, the 976 evil card, too, as well. So I don't know if it was him or, or the card that, that knocked her out. But, uh, either way, yeah, she's connected to this somehow. And she's having visions of, mm-hmm. um, the crimes either before or after they've happened a little bit of both yeah once they uh, have that contact they're almost like they're telekinetically connected her and uh professor uh, grubeck there after afterwards i guess as far as the killings and stuff go yeah well he uh grubeck the the professor there or the dean or whatever he is he's got like some kind of fascination with robin too as well mm-hmm yeah, he wants to stick it to her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wants her as some kind of, like, uh, hell bride or, or something like that. but He's so, a rich way, works. <laughs> so Robin and uh, Spike end up meeting up, and there's some, you know, some dialogue there, and eventually they end up devising a plan uh, around the end where... They're going to lure uh, Grubeck's soul out with the uh, astral factor, Spike is, and then Robin's just going to go in there and kill his body while he's laying in jail. Mm-hmm. But uh, that doesn't work out too well uh, with a, probably the, the second best scene in the film, which is uh, Grubeck's uh, soul or whatever. He gets a semi, and there's like a chase with him and Spike. Spike's on his bike, and... Spike ends up doing some shit with some dynamite and sliding under the semi and blowing the shit out of it, but he kills himself in the process. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, some cool action sequences there, definitely. Yeah, that was that was the high point. Um, it, do you remember the car chase? Um, 
Robin had like a she had like a vision of it and then she was actually like right after she woke back up she was on the freeway and there's a car like trying to kill the lawyer lady like uh, I, on the I vaguely rem- I vaguely remember that yeah I think that's around the time I was starting to pass out yeah well um basically I guess that that scene that whole segment there was actually used in uh, Ghoulies Four. Two as well. They, they shot it for both films, I guess, is what I've heard. Never seen Ghoulies 4. So Me neither. I got the first three, but I've never seen 4, yeah. Yeah, I just thought 4 would probably be a piece of crap, so, you know. Yeah. 3's the best. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, I only have part 1, so. Well, 3's great. <laughs> well, if it's as cheesy as 1, I'll probably hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's even cheesier. It's like oh, a man. college fraternity movie crossed with Ghoulies. Oh, that might not be too bad then. Huh? Oh, 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 it's hilarious. I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, back to nine seven six evil. Uh, basically, Robin has lured Gru back to like a cliff, uh, but uh, it seems Spike has died in the crash. But we see him climb out of his body. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, well, earlier in the film, he went and saw, uh, Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That tall uh, Amazonian woman was in this film. I forgot about yep, that. Yep. She was married to, uh, Stallone back in yeah. the day. And fucking Flavor Flav a few years oh, ago. I don't know if she was married to him. She was, she was, she was fucking him, I guess. But, oh, she was fucking him. Yeah. Yeah. So she runs some little cult Wiccan store or whatever. And, uh, Basically shows him how to uh, project himself or with the astral factor or whatever. I really they don't really go into too much of that. Like pretty much it's like a projection of your soul or something, but it's it's similar to like a physical projection. Um. So yeah, Grubeck gets lured to the cliff. Spike shows up. Grubeck tries to like take Robin. Spike's soul ain't having it, and he shoves him over the cliff. And do you remember the ending of this movie, or? <laughs> not, as like... good, not, not as good as you do, man. <laughs> I kind of tuned out by then. I totally understand, man, yeah. Uh, basically, it's it's a little twist ending. Uh, the cops are there, and they're questioning, him, questioning Robin on, you know, how Grubeck went over the cliff. And she said, well, S- Spike saved me. And they're like, well, that's impossible. Spike died on the freeway, like, over an hour ago, and... They take her off and the handcuffs or whatever, and pretty much she's crazy. And then they pull back, and there's a payphone ringing, and basically set it up for a nine seven six e or three. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that I hated this movie or nothing. I, I don't know. I was just when I watched it, I just was tired, and then I went back and watched it from where I had left off the next day, and I just I just been watching so much shit. I did, this one, everything else stuck, but 976 Evil kind of leaked out the other end of my head for some reason. I well, see, you just said you've been watching a lot of shit. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mind this movie at all. It was, I really didn't, I didn't really like the first one that much. I didn't hate the first one, but it doesn't stand out. Like, I couldn't really even sit here and tell you what the first one was even about, really. I just remember... Uh, was it Stephen Jeffries in it? And I remember him from Fright Night, and mm-hmm. that's about it, you know. Um, I remember like fish falling out of the sky and shit okay, like that. yeah, yeah, I do remember that too. Yeah, 
But, I mean, as a sequel, like a bad 90s sequel, this isn't that bad. And one scene that really sticks out in my head is when Robin and her friend are watching TV. Mm -hmm. And um, they're flipping back and forth from It's a Wonderful Life and Night Mm -hmm. of the Living Dead. Yes, yes. And then they morph together, the two movies. Yeah, and her friend goes into the movie and stuff, and I thought it was pretty, for 1991, man, I thought it was pretty fucking seamless. Yeah, it was pretty good, like, it was like, uh, it, it was a wonderful Night of the Living Dead, is what the, the it turned into, eh, because all the casts from It's a Wonderful Life were zombies all of a sudden in the Night of the Living Dead house, and it was it was it was different definitely do you remember what the little girl says um oh, from a wonderful time, life <laughs> yeah like every time you hear a bell a zombie takes a soul to hell or something <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah something like that yeah that was that was pretty good that was that was actually right around where i had started rewatching it and i was like holy fuck what did i miss like what's going on but that was only the really short scene yeah, that's probably the most memorable scene in this movie, and I remember seeing this movie back when I was probably, I don't know, probably pretty young, probably back when it originally came out, and uh, that was always a scene that stuck out in my head, um, and that's why I had seeked this out probably six months, six or seven months ago, and tracked down the VHS, and I was kind of surprised that it hadn't been put out on DVD, I mean, it's there's a lot shittier movies, and we talked about one on the show. <laughs> uh-huh. well, it actually was. It was released in the UK on DVD, but nothing region one. So, was there special features or not that I know of? Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear from um, uh, Spike uh, Pat O'Brien. I'd like to hear what he had to say. And uh, Jim uh-huh. Wynorski, he directed it. He's the director of uh, Chopping Mall, and I think he directed a bunch of other shitty. Straight to video movies, horror movies, and sex That's comedies true. and stuff. Uh, yeah, he'd be cool to talk to. Yeah, and I can't see why like he wouldn't want to talk about this. The guy, this is the same guy who brought you the Bear Wench Project. You know, like this should be like gold on his fucking resume right here compared to that shit. So you you would think so, yeah. I'd like to see a special edition DVD put together of this. Um, I would buy it, definitely, just to complete my little collection, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you have the first one on DVD? Yes, I do. Okay. That, that I don't have. Yeah, I think I got it out of, like, the $5 bin or something at Walmart. I uh, I definitely didn't pay very much for it. Oh, yeah, this guy, all he's been up to lately is just doing, like, uh, porno parodies. Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah. noticed in, like, the... 90s and up through the uh, 2000s series. Yeah, he's well, been doing. He, he did. Uh, he did Cleavage Field and for Cloverfield and yeah, <laughs> yep. the Bear, Bear Wench Project and all the Bear Wench projects too. Yeah. Paranockers activity. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, good, good, good times. Good for him. He's keeping like the 80s spirit going. You know. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with that. So would you um would you recommend this to the listeners? Hmm. Yeah, actually, I, I know a lot of people like this film. I don't know. I just give it just giving it a hard time because I just wasn't in the right frame of mind to watch. Yeah. And I need I need to go back and give it another chance. Like I said, I've only watched it once, and it was spaced out over two viewings and mm-hmm. in a tired state. So yeah, I probably didn't give it the review it it deserved. Actually, well, I'd say check it out though if you like the first one. It's uh. 
lot of people say this is actually better than the first one, so I'd, I'd say give it a go. Yeah, that's what I think. Would you say it's better? I mean, you if you sit down and get like a full viewing of it, I mean, just from what you remember, would you say it, it possibly? Possibly. Okay. It might be. I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I'm a Stephen Jeffries fan. Mm-hmm. Like, of of his horror films, though, not of his other of films. Of course. Just, just, just so other people out there know, like, they're not saying, like, fucking J-Dog watches gay porn. Like, what the fuck, man? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I liked him in Fright Night and shit, so he's just his whiny little voice. Like, Brewster! Like, little fag. Yeah, he was in, um, he was in a couple other films. One was, like, uh, like, uh, 80s, yeah, 80s, like, sex comedy or whatever. Yeah, Fraternity Vacation, I got that one on VHS. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I've checked out, a, I, I just checked it out recently um, on uh, YouTube, like parts of it and stuff. It, it looks pretty good. Uh, I'll have to get a full viewing of it, but uh, he wasn't a bad actor. I don't see why he had to make a jump to, to gay porn, you know, unless that was just like... Eh, maybe, he was, maybe he was taking it in a hoop. Like, getting his donut punched in his off time, so he figured he may as well get paid for it. I don't know. Probably just pay more. Like, you'd have to fucking really pay a guy a lot to take it in the arse. Like, I know I wouldn't do it for anything under $25 million. Yeah. That way, that way I could get a prosthetic ass or something to replace my violated one. Well, to just, I mean, to make, like, a career move like that, uh, I don't think it's the smartest idea, because you're never going to be able to make the jump back to mainstream movies after that, you know? Exactly. Who respects a gay porn star? No, no one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never so, Well, that was 976 Evil 2, The Astral Factor. Uh, I recommend uh, you guys checking it out. Um if you can find it, I think I got a really nice uh, copy off Amazon for like five bucks. So yeah, I got like a almost mint Vestron VHS copy. I bought it off Andy actually for a couple of bucks. So or I think we did a trade for it. It's not a cut box. Nope, not cut. Oh, Just a couple, awesome man! A couple of stickers. That's it. Yeah, I seen it going on Amazon too. Like still in the package and stuff. So it would be like an uncut box for I think like eight bucks. So if That's you guys want bad. like new copies of this VHS, they're they're on Amazon. So these this is yeah it was one of the last uh, releases of Vestron Video actually one of, was the, it? one of the last horror releases they had yeah. So this may have very well killed the company. Very well could have yeah. Well they were trying to <laughs> probably probably actually made them a few bucks before they went tits up actually. Yeah, make their money back at least. Yeah, a couple of bucks anyway. Definitely. So, um, yep, that was uh, 976 Evil 2, and uh, we're going to take another break, and we'll be back with the uh, the outro conclusion mm-hmm. to wrap everything up. So you guys stay tuned to Exploited Cinema. How would you like to disappear? Disappear? Go undercover. You know this man. Who's here? I'm here. You're here. These victims are all the same physical type. What about him, Skip? Late 20s, 140, 150 pounds. Dark hair, dark eyes. Have you ever seen him before? I want to send you out there to see if you can attract this guy. How where?
York City detective in search of a killer is about to disappear into the night. Is it dangerous? I can't talk about it. How do you know you're going to end up the same person when it's over? An odyssey to the edge of city life. Bartenders are starting to give me some information. There's this uh, name keeps popping up all the time. There he is. The one with the hat. Is that the one that followed you? Yeah. Why didn't you go with him? I don't know. I think you should check him. You want to play all play with me? He's the wrong guy. Prince don't match. What he sees... What he feels. I don't think I can do the job, Captain. I don't think I can handle it. There's just stuff going down. I don't think I can. I can deal with it. What he experiences. What he discovers will change his life forever. Al Pacino. Who's here? I'm here. You're here. Cruising. When you get into one of these groups, there's only a couple ways you can get out. One is death. The other is mental institutions. bat 32 and yeah we're just wrapping the show up now buddy it's it's all come to an end episode three any any uh final like comments or anything on like the films that uh, we talked about as a whole or hmm well definitely none of them are going to win oscars that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) well maybe the Uh, last horror film could have Last horror film was good stuff. The the best of the three for me was the last horror film. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed The Undertaker, and like I said, I need to go back and give 976 Evil 2 another chance because I'm not a hater. Like, I, I rarely hate anything. Like, I always, my thing as a kid was I had never seen a bad movie. There's always something I can take from a movie that's, even if it's a piece of shit, I can still bring something back from it. So, I'm going to give it another chance, but yeah, 
I think it was an interesting show. I've never heard anyone cover quite a few of these films, so throwing it out there for you cats that ain't never heard of this shit, living under rocks and with hillbillies and stuff. <laughs> I like your attitude on uh, on your overview of the films, you know, and, and you're saying there that you've never seen a bad movie, because I think, you know, nowadays it seems like every fucking horror fan, ex- maybe not exploitation fan, if you're diehard, just exploitation, but... Genre fans these days, I think, are extremely fucking picky. Uh-huh. And I think it's like an overload. It's almost like, dude, like, do you just throw a dart at a dartboard with, like, a number of titles to see which one you're going to shit on today? Like, that's what it seems like to me. It's like people just find something like, usually if I don't like something, I'll say it's all right. Yeah. You know, or if I was, you know so-so on it it was all right you know i'll never fully shit on something yeah there's very few movies that i can sit down and say that's just a piece of shit and i'm never gonna watch that again like there's always something that makes you giggle or something that you enjoy somewhat that you can take from the movie sure you might have wasted an hour and a half to get 30 seconds of full enjoyment out of the movie but hey what the fuck at least you can say you've seen it so that way when you're uh, talking shit with other horror fans you're not just being fugazi and superimposing your knowledge of horror films, at least you know what you're talking about then. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah I'm one of them guys that like to see whatever anyway, so shitty, bad, there's some things I think are garbage that other people love, and it's shit that I love other people think are garbage, so you got to have a lot of different shit out there because everyone's got different tastes, so. Yeah, and there's plenty of movies out there to pick from from past present and of course i'm i'm hoping someday the future there'll be you know movies that will surpass some of these classics because that's what i look forward to is Mm -hmm. filmmakers taking it to the next level like i i hate to like give shitty reviews because i feel like it almost discourages people to even bother trying to do anything original you know what i mean like and that's why I don't read a lot of reviews, too, because it's like, let me be the judge of it. Like, I hate, I really hate reviews, and I hate stuck-up reviewers. And, you know, I think the internet is probably one of the main problems today in cinema. Do you agree? Oh, shit, yeah. You got a million uh, armchair critics, and everyone's, everyone's got an opinion on everything, which isn't a bad thing, but, I don't know, you get a lot of people that just jump on the bandwagon, though, too, and just hate things for no real reason just because they see 50 other people hating this movie they might not ever even have seen it but they'll be like oh fuck final exam or fuck this movie or fuck that movie (laughs) i like how you throw final exam out there (laughs) yeah i get shit on all the time so i gotta i gotta stick up for it whenever i can well uh, i'm gonna say final exam's an all right movie it's not horrible i've seen worse slashers so yeah, well, with my thing, like, sure, a movie, the acting could be bad in a movie, but the lighting might have been good, or the dialogue shitty, but the concept was good, or there's always something I can find that I enjoyed out of it, or just even a certain character. Well, I like that character. He's got, he was kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's no reason just to, just to, like, label something shit. Like, to say a whole movie shit, that's... There's a lot of different factors to take into account that you're calling shitty. Like, you can at least agree that something's good in there. Like, the chick had nice tits or something. Like, come on, man. Like, you don't got to hate everything. Well, that's why the 80s movies are great, because you always got the TNA factor, and usually the gore was good. So Mm -hmm. that's what you can take home from, you know, your viewing. Word up. So um, we do have a action-packed episode 
for next week, and, or not next week, but in two weeks. And I guess we're going to let the listeners know what, what that is. Do you want to spill the grease to them? Yeah, we'll drop the bomb right now. We're going to do a retrospect. We're going back to camp, bitches. So, yeah, pack your nut huggers and bring your candy bars and stuff. We're going to sleepaway camp. I'm going to fucking go on the titty patrol like the cats in part two. We're going to go. We're going to be covering all the films, all four of them, actually. Yep, it's a full retrospective, um, except for, of course, like we said at the beginning of the show, we don't have the lost footage from part four to even talk about. Um, but hopefully that, you know, down the road that that'll come out, you know, next year sometime. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we can do a review of that and catch you guys up on that. But for now, yeah, we're going to hit you guys with the, the, the last four films, the, the, uh, the whole sleepaway camp, uh, experience. You betcha. Yep. We'll have teenage wasteland. We'll have unhappy campers and, what the fuck's the fourth one called? Return to Sleepaway Camp. Return to Sleepaway Camp, yep. Yeah, and it's going to be an action-packed episode. I don't think we'll be doing uh, the VHS vault. We won't have a review or anything. We're, we're going to dedicate the entire show to the retrospective. So, uh, you know, if you guys are Sleepaway, fa- Sleepaway Camp fans, man, this is definitely the episode you're going to want to check out. Shit, yeah. Hey, what says Christmas like Sleepaway Camp anyway? <laughs> be, be, be good time to have it, and but there will be a Christmas show, yeah. Yeah, we yeah might add our Christmas show. It's actually scheduled to drop on Christmas Day, so, so yeah. Fuck, fuck the turkey, fuck the presents. Just tune in with Exploited Cinema. Send Santa Claus pack and tell him come back next year. Yeah, so I think this it. is going to be the ultimate uh, stocking stuffer oh, episode, yeah. the Christmas episode for the fans. We haven't yeah. quite got the uh, kinks figured out on that, but I think it's going to be... I'd like to do uh, my favorite Christmas horror film and maybe your favorite Christmas horror film, and maybe mm-hmm. we can find a Christmas horror film that uh, hasn't been released on DVD for The Vault, too, so you know we can give you that whole Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Because I, I know a lot of the shows take breaks on the holidays, but fuck that. We're working overtime for you guys. This year. Yes. Fuck yeah, I got nothing to do but jerk off Christmas Day anyway, so. <laughs> Good times. We'll do the show. So, uh, I think we're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, so, I hope you had a great holiday, great Thanksgiving. I know this is going to be coming to you after Thanksgiving. So, uh, I hope everybody had safe holiday and continue on the safe holidays, of course. And, uh... Tune in in two weeks for the Sleepaway Camp Retrospective, here exclusively on Exploited Cinema.